Garland, and this is Market Like a Badass. And on today's episode, I get to talk to former coworker and badass Laura Clark. Laura is a badass with over 20 years of experience planning high-impact events in the U.S. and internationally. Her specialty is white glove experiences for customer-facing events. Welcome, Laura. Hey, Kristen. Thanks so much for having me. This is so fun. I'm excited to have you on here. I think you and I could talk about events all day, and I I know that (laughs) you're going to have some amazing knowledge to drop on the audience. And so, yeah, I'm really excited to get you on the horn. We're going to talk about events, specifically white glove events. So customer-facing, like I know you've done, sometimes we refer to it as CAB, but that's a client advisory board. You've hosted Mm -hmm. executive meetings, invitationals, et cetera. But before we dive into specifics, talk to us about why events are important. Yeah, well, I think the first thing is that events are important for a company or an organization because it's it represents sort of the face of the company. And so it's a way for marketing to get out in front of audiences that they may not already engage with to be able to let people know who the brand is, who the company is, or the organization and events are are an important piece of helping to fill the top of the marketing funnel with new leads. Yep. That's why I think they're the first reason they're important. Absolutely. I remember at Return Path when I did field marketing and you were a lovely coworker with me mm-hmm. and we saw so much revenue influenced mm-hmm. by events. Yeah. I remember one year, I think field marketing influenced about $17 million in revenue. Yeah. And and that's just one part of marketing. And that was mainly through events. And I think it's so impactful. To your point, you get new leads. If it's a trade show, especially some Mm -hmm. of these bigger events are designed for leads. Sometimes they're designed for nurturing. That's right. So can you talk about the types of events that you would host for clients? Sure. And why? Yeah. And I think the the thing that I love the most about these events is is the relationship building and the nurturing piece of them. So the different types of events that were my favorite or are my favorite to plan are the more smaller events that are more intimate, more personalized, customized for the specific audience that's attending. So like client advisory boards, customer advisory boards, and executive meetings and things like that. Invitationals where you have a specific audience, like if it's a publisher's invitational, and so you're inviting just people from the publishing industry. And it's just an important way to help build relationship with those clients, uh, whether they're current clients or future clients. And it's also just an opportunity for brand awareness and so that they know who you are. I think that in general, I believe that if people like you and they trust you, they want to do business with you. And so that's an important piece of the branding experience for people. Yeah, absolutely. I think trust is huge. Mm -hmm. And especially if you're in like a technology or SaaS business, or, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're, if somebody's sharing personally identifiable information, anything like that, you know, you have to build trust with your audience. And these events are really great to get again, these real life experiences, what 
are your customers really dealing with? Mm -hmm. And what is the end user saying about your product or service? Exactly. And yeah, they're the ones who are using the product or the service. And so they'll have the most accurate feedback for you. And sometimes even if it's hard to hear, it's important to hear that and have that open relationship and conversation always so that you can, it impacts how the company will go to market, right? I mean, if you're Mm -hmm. creating something in a bubble and you think this is going to be a brilliant product, but you have no idea if the clients or customers even want that product or service, and then you launch it and nobody needs it, then you have failed, right? That's not going to help you succeed. And so, so to have the voice of the customer be present is very important as you're creating products and services to go to market. And so the voice of the customer is is key. And so having those relationships and, and all of that is is really important. Um, so the for, for the product feedback, but the relationship building too, and just to understand the real life experiences because they will see things from a different perspective than you may as a, as a company or, or an organization and may help you hone a little more tightly or a little better what you're getting ready to deliver. Yeah, it's huge for R&D. So if you're doing mm-hmm. research and development around what product rollout next, yeah, I've seen it in SaaS companies. I When I worked for Qdoba, the mm-hmm. same thing. They were all about voice of the customer. Mm-hmm. And whether it's a survey, whether you're collecting it live at, at an event, it, it really is valuable feedback, especially if you are trying to get a viable product out, you mm-hmm. know, have somebody test it, have them give you feedback. Exactly. Um, to your point, the customers, you know, they're going to have the best feedback because mm-hmm. they're using it mm-hmm. um, in a capacity that, you know, will serve them the best. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so where do you start? I guess, how, how yeah. do you promote and invite people to these customer events or how do you even know what type of customer event is going to work well for your business? I think that depending on what it is that you're doing, whether you're a large corporation or a small sole proprietor business or or a small company or organization, understanding who your key audience is, is very important. And so once you have that, and, and then once you've set the goals for the event, which is a big piece on the front strategic side of the event is understanding what's the goal of the event? You know, is this a huge industry event that we're attending? Is it a smaller, more intimate event that we're inviting only select attendees for and understanding what the goals are? And so starting there is helpful. And then also you've got to have buy-in from either your partners or other executives or team members in the company or organization, right? So everybody's on board with mm-hmm. with yep. what the event is, why it's happening and the goal for the event. And then then you can nail nail down a little bit more detail of who you want to actually include and invite. And so then there's sort of a communication plan that you create so that you're, if you have sales teams, then you're giving them the information, whether it's a, um, a script to use to invite clients to. And then if you have people that you want to attend that aren't current clients um, and you want to have an executive invite them, then again, there's maybe a script for that or or whatnot. So you're sending, it's via email, it's uh, phone calls through some of the sales development reps or sales reps if they're, if they're current clients. And 
sometimes it's really fun to be really creative and you can use physical mail to send a really cool custom piece to to the invitees. I will say though, during the <laughs> the land of COVID now, it's much more difficult to do that because nobody's in an office or hardly at all. Yeah. And so you don't have people's home addresses. So it's much more difficult to do that. But as things start opening back up again and people return to offices, then you know, the physical mailers or physical custom pieces are are fun to send to an office. Whether it's, you know, branded cookies, you know, with your brand and the client's brand, you know, on the cookies is really fun. And and everybody in the office loves treats like that and things like that. So those are some fun things. Oh, absolutely. I love when cookies are sent yeah. to me. <laughs> I know, me too. <laughs> yeah, uh, but there does have to be a communication plan created at the beginning of, you know, phase one is you're getting the message out internally. And then phase two is here's how all of the messaging is going out to the clients, whether it's through, you can do advertising, of course, too, if you have a a large enough budget. And, um, but then also just through the scripts with the sales reps and sales development or executives. So. Yeah, I think that's huge Mm -hmm. and very important. Mm -hmm. So if you are running an event, please write a script for your team because you need to control the message. You need to make sure that it's consistent. And I've gotten sponsorship decks and and event invite emails, and they're missing really critical information like the event date, (laughs) you know, and (laughs) one of these was a two day event, you know, and I had Mm -hmm. no clue when it was going to take place. Yeah. So, you know, making sure you include the location, the Mm -hmm. time and and just all of those really important details that Mm -hmm. your customers are going to want to know because it makes them more comfortable with attending the event. Right. The more information they have at the very beginning, the better, because they want to know what's the point of the event? Why should they attend? You know, why do they need to ask their boss permission to attend an event or, you know, what's in it for them kind of a thing? What what will they get out of it? And then all all of the logistics, Where's the, where is it being held? the date and the time and and all that kind of stuff. And then of course the RSVP is important too. So you want to make sure on all of those communications that you're listing, here's how to RSVP. And it's fun to sort of incentivize with an RSVP of like, you know, before it sells out and those kinds of things because people are overloaded with communications via email. And so you have to have something jump out at them or, you know, the first 50 people to register are entered into a drawing for a new iPad or something like that, you know, uh, to, if you're looking to incentivize people to attend, but you have to give them a reason to attend the event. And then you've got to give them an opportunity to RSVP. So whether it's a link or that they need to reply to their sales team member or how they're going to respond with the RSVP. Yeah, that is very important. And, and making sure that you plan your event far enough to promote it because you yes. will have to build a landing page. You will mm-hmm. have to develop messaging. That's you right. have to give people ample notice. Mm-hmm. We always activated an event or launched and started promoting an event at least six weeks out. At least, yeah. And and that's like at a very minimum. Mm-hmm. And and then we would notice that, you know, you have the people that will be incentivized and do the early RSVPs. Mm-hmm. And then you see a huge spike about two weeks out. That's and right. And then it drops off again. Mm-hmm. 
And so as people start firming up their schedules and they can make a commitment, that's usually when you see that spike again. Mm -hmm. So keep that in mind when you're planning as well, because, you know, you may have an initial incentive and then, you know, this two week out and don't forget to register, you know, create a sense of urgency and get people RSVP'd. Mm -hmm. And if it's a virtual event too, then you can always do that last minute push, you know, two days before because people, you know, they may say, oh, my, my calendar freed up or I definitely want to attend that. And, you know, they were late to get to register. Oh, yeah. So, but those, those last minute registrations are always key. And if you're doing a larger event where you have a really broad audience, then you can also open it up so that they can register for other coworkers or share the information of about the event with other potential attendees, right? Other clients or potential clients. Yeah, I've seen that quite a bit where mm-hmm. you have a whole team, maybe four people, maybe eight, mm-hmm. and one person is going in and punching information. So think about your user and how to make it easy for a whole exactly. team to come. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But one thing I want to touch on, and it's very important, is how to select which customers might participate in an event. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about how to work with your sales team or your internal stakeholders to build a target list and who should be on it? Yeah, absolutely. So for the, like the client advisory boards that we've done and, and worked on, those are almost always current clients and they're usually top users or, uh, our top clients. And those are the ones that we want in the room. And, The other thing is you don't always want the executive or the CEO or the C-suite of the company to attend. It depends on the event, right? If it's a board level or executive level wine and dine event, then yes, you want the C-suite invited. If it's a customer advisory board where you are going to be getting down into the nitty gritty of the product or services and the details of that, you want the actual people who are using the product most often to attend that event. And so figuring out who are the key accounts and then in those accounts, who are the people, whether it's job title or, you know, the individual people that you are targeting. And so that's really the key piece is, is understanding, again, going back to sort of the strategic piece at the very beginning of planning the event is what's the goal of the event, right? If it's a high level executive dinner or something, then that's a different invite list than customer advisory board where you've got people who are, you want the product users attending that event because they're going to be able to give the best feedback to you about your product and service. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're working with the sales teams as well to make sure that they understand and they're very clear that the invitee list, especially if it's a very specific event like a client advisory board, you don't want your sales teams to just invite anybody from that company, right? It's, it is this specific individual with this job title only that's invited or maybe one other person. It isn't sort of open to everybody at that company. And so you have to be very specific as you're instructing and sharing the information with your sales teams about who they are to invite. And also, you know, when we've done, you know, we did field marketing events. And so whether it was hockey games or a suite at a baseball stadium or football or something like that. Um, Everybody wants to go to those events because they're really fun. And so you have to be a little more careful about who exactly you want. So which accounts are you targeting? You know, I mean, it's great to have at these types of events, you want to have a mix of 
current clients and prospective clients because the current clients will talk about how much they love working with you and how much they love your product or what you're what you're putting out and they're a great influence and also you know can help sort of close sales if you will in a roundabout way just because they're they love you so you you want to be specific about who you invite to those as well and so that's that's i'd say the first step with inviting customers and who to select yeah and, and creating visibility so mm-hmm. if you know who you don't want to yeah. select it or you know here's our top accounts you all can name those on a an excel sheet or google doc however you collaborate and you and your team should have visibility into that and mm-hmm. you should track progress on that so you know who's committed who hasn't yet right how many from each company mm-hmm. And then I have a question because you said top users, yeah. but what makes them a top user? Is it the number of products or services or is it the type of service or product that they use? I think that's a great question. I think that it, again, it depends on what the event is. So a top user at a client advisory board would be somebody who uses the product or service often. They're very familiar with all the different nuances and the you know nitty gritty details of the product or service. And then the the other pieces that they maybe own multiple different of the products and services. So it's both and, I think. Yeah. For those, for I those agree. top users. I, I think it is very different depending on the type of feedback that you're trying to get. So I appreciate you expanding on that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what about with partners? Because mm-hmm. we talked... We talked about customer events, but right. uh, how do you engage partners and why is that important? And is it a different format than what you would throw for a customer? That's also a great question. <laughs> I think that partner events are very important to help expand your business. And it's always good to have partnerships with other companies that not aren't competitors with you, but where they their products or services support what you're doing and you support your business supports what they're doing. So that if it's a technology company that if you have a partner that is has a specific software and that helps and interacts with your technology to make it even better, then that's a great partnership. And so one thing about customer events, just jumping back a little bit, is it's also can be really impactful to have partners, business partners attend those events as well, because they're also, again, they're, they're supporting your business, right? So they're going to help in that way, but also then they can expand a little bit for the customer and say, we know that you're using this specific product or service. We also partner with that company and we can help you with X, Y, and Z to make your experience even better. And so you can include partners at customer events always as well. Um, it does get a little tricky if you have multiple partners and some of those partners compete. And so you have to be a little careful then, but it is absolutely still possible and it's still important. And so I think the, you can do also just specific partner events where you are connected with a specific business partner and you're either attending their event or you are hosting them for an event um, and their company. Again, it's just depending on what you're looking for. I mean, we did a sales kickoff where we had multiple partners attend the sales kickoff. 
and they each had an opportunity to share the latest updates um, for with our sales teams. And that's an important thing because you want your sales teams. I mean, sales teams have a hard job, right? They, they're the front line pounding on doors and <laughs> feet on the street kind of thing. Yep. Smile and dial. That's right. <laughs> so they have to know everything about your product and service. But then when you have partners as well, they also need to have at least a high level understanding of how those partnerships work to better your product or service, right? And so those kinds of trainings are really important. If you're doing a partner event and engaging them, you want to also make sure it's an educational opportunity for some sales teams maybe as well. And so partner events are a little bit different, but also at the same time, I think that partners are customers as well, right? I mean, they're also using your product and you treat them like a client, you know? So, yeah. It's very true. And I mean, some partners, they sell just as well as your own internal Mm -hmm. sales team. Mm -hmm. So you need to nurture those relationships. Absolutely. And I'm glad that you brought up the sales meeting because I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. Now I'm honestly even thinking about my partners and I'm like, wow, I need to engage them better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just little things, you mm-hmm. know, staying top of mind mm-hmm. uh, because usually when you have that conversation, then you're top of mind. And, yeah. you know, within a couple of weeks, they may turn to you and say, Hey, I have an opportunity, uh, an opportunity for you. Right. And I think that's really important. And then the other cool thing about partnering with someone on an event is you all can invite prospects and customers and split the room. So That's you right. don't have to do as much work. Right. You know, have your partner help with invites. Exactly. Exactly. And they have contacts that you don't and you have contacts they don't. And so it's a really, it's a mutually beneficial thing to do that and and have them be on the hook to help deliver some of the attendees as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. I think that takes a lot of pressure off of you as an event planner and you all can split the budget or have them carry exactly. the invites and you pay. I mean, there's right. different ways you can work that out, but yep. I think from a budgetary standpoint too, it's it's a, it's a smart idea. Absolutely. Leverage your partners, get out there and, and start talking to your prospects and customers together. Absolutely. Yeah. It's very important. Now, I know you also talked about the importance of executives at meetings mm-hmm. or events. And mm-hmm. you mentioned that there's different opportunities or ways that you might engage yeah. uh, a C-level executive. Yes. So can you talk about how executives can support events? Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the things that can be very intimidating, especially if you're starting out in event planning, is is communicating with executives. Um, because they're very busy and you know that they're very busy and so you don't want to waste their time with anything, but they also need to know what's going on and and be communicated with, right? So I haven't ever met an executive who doesn't want to know what's going on <laughs> or have that kind of communication. And so that can happen in multiple different formats or ways with a quarterly review, right? Quarterly business reviews, that kind of a thing with here's what's coming up in the next quarter, or here's our, you know, at the very beginning of the year, here's our full plan for the year. And here's why, because they don't always, executives don't necessarily need to know everything you're doing, but they want to understand why maybe a little bit more, right? Why are you doing all of these shows? Because the other thing is events are expensive. And so you want to show the return on those investments, right? So the ROI for events is important. 
events are expensive, but they're also, like I said at the beginning, they're important because it's how you're getting your brand out there. And so, yeah, and they'll have high ROI. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you, they will get that return yes. on the investment. Yeah, but it is important to track that because you yes. don't want to just see the expenses. <laughs> that's right, and that's the other thing is tracking that is tracking the ROI is really important. And so, you know, going at a little bit higher level with a trade show or something, if somebody comes by your booth. That still is connected when they get connected with a sales rep, and then if they end up purchasing a product or service, that that's still tied back to that touch point of that event of the trade show. And so, whether it's a field marketing event at a dinner or a ball game or something like that, or a customer partner event, that's very important to make sure that those are always tracked accurately, so that at the end of the year or the end of the quarter or however you're tracking, that you can say. Those were touch points because of the events that we did. And that helps justify the the cost of the events because they are expensive. Yeah. And it helps to have a marketing operations person on your team or somebody that can really dive into that data yeah. and say, you know, I know at our our company that we worked at together, yeah. we would hear like, oh, any we noticed that any um any account that had an event as a marketing touch point had a higher propensity to close. Yes. Sometimes at a rate of, you know, they they were more likely, like 75% more likely to close. That's right. So that's huge. It and is huge. And that's really important mm-hmm. for people to know because you need to know where to invest your marketing budget and mm-hmm. which channels are most effective. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So that executive support, they're always going to be interested in why we're doing something and the cost of it, right? So you do have to prove that. And yeah, a marketing operation marketing operations people are a gift for sure. They're amazing at what they do. That's right. <laughs> the other thing with executive support is just sometimes you won't have very many executives at an event and that's okay if you've got the right people there because you are going to need some people internally there to help work the room and talk with people and engage in conversation and all of that kind of thing. So whether that's the product management teams or other marketing members sales team members, of course. But at some of the more high-end white glove type events that we were doing, like customer advisory boards and executive dinners and things like that, it's very important to have a very clear communication with the executive team about why you need them there and the specifics, just like you would with the customer invitation, right? Here's when it is. Here's how long we need you there. We need you to get there at if the event starts at two, I want you there at one thirty. We're going to do, you know, and some of the executives will want more detail, right? Like a, almost a minute by minute, which you can do. We did, we've done that at sales kickoffs to have the minute by minute for the AV teams and all that kind of stuff to understand what's happening. But for the executives to have a very clear understanding of what's expected of them, because they have so much going on and they're going to have to know what to be prepared for, right? So they don't want to walk in blindly or feel like they don't quite understand what's going on. So our job is to always make sure that they know what's happening, what's expected. And that can look like for the customer advisory boards, we would put together packets of here's the customers, the company, here's the spend that they have bought from us or purchased from us. Here's here's all the details, including here's some of the hiccups that we've had with this account over the last year. And here's the resolution of it, or here's some of the conversations just so that they are aware of all of it. And then before the actual event happens, we would have a call with 
all of the attendees, internal attendees, um, to walk through all of that. Here's who's attending. Here's going to, who's going to be in the room. Here's why this person can't be near that person, (laughs) you know, client wise, if they're competitors. And so then you almost have to assign somebody, whether it's an executive or salesperson to be a part of their discussion, right? So you kind of have to make sure you're very clear on all of that kind of thing. And so you walk through the whole run of show, right? For the event, but also making it very clear that everybody knows who's who's in the room and why they're there and what the goal is for them being there, right? Like we need, you know, they're on the cusp of signing another huge contract with us. And so then you bring in the big guns, right? You maybe want the executive to sit next with next to them at dinner, right? Um, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's huge. I mean, we had so much success when we would enable the executives in that way. Like here's, here's a photo we found of them on LinkedIn. Yeah. So you know what they look like. Right. And that way you can walk up and introduce yourself, but you, you know, you act like, oh my gosh, you're the best thing ever. Right. You're the best client. I know you by name mm-hmm. uh, because the customer should feel valued, especially right. if they're going to take two days and sit on a client advisory board. Right. So you better know who they are right. and the types of products or services that they buy from you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, it's their, their time investing, you know, attending this event, but also it's much more than that with the amount of money they spend as a company, right? And the contract <laughs> that they're looking to either renew or or whatnot buy from you. So Absolutely. it's important. Well, sure. and the bigger you get as a CEO or any other executive level, the the larger the company gets, the less day-to-day interaction you mm-hmm. have with all all of these clients. Sure. You know, you hopefully you have can't. so yeah. many clients and you're swimming in revenue and <laughs> and you know, you really do need to look at who is coming to the event? Let me, you know, do my homework. And that way you can be intentional with your time, with their time and, and make the most out of the event. And that's how you prepare. Right. So, so yeah, I want to, I actually want to hear more about the run of show. I know Mm -hmm. that you you talked about that and communications, Mm -hmm. but how do you, how do you stay organized with everything? There's the run of show communications, you may have to plan a breakout session, right? Uh, transportation, venue, food and beverage. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about how you stay organized? Yeah. So there are so many different software tools you can use. And also you can use just a plain old spreadsheet or Google sheet. <laughs> so once you've planned an event, you kind of understand and know all of the different areas, like you mentioned, Kristen, is there's, you know, the communications and breakout sessions. And then if you're doing breakout sessions, who's speaking at them and who, what is the topic? And (laughs) are you doing handouts for that, right? Is there something you need to have printed for the, for those breakout sessions? Um, And then also then working in backwards into the agenda of, okay, if you're doing a breakout session, you've got to give people time to get to that breakout session. Even if it's virtually, you want to have a five minute break or something for people to get to, you know, to take a break, get something to drink, and then come back in for their virtual breakout session, right? The transportation and catering and all of those logistics. And so I uh, I am a huge list maker. 
I like crossing things off or, you know, check mark next to each thing. So I know that I did it and then I can fill in, oh, I forgot about this or yeah, we're going to add this in, or there's one more piece that we need to add. Um, and on spreadsheets, you know, you can create different tabs and all that kind of stuff. There are uh, so many different tools and software tools to use for organization like that. But to keep it simple, you can use just a spreadsheet and just start thinking through the entire event and just have a brain dump almost into that spreadsheet. And then you can organize it and categorize it. You know, is that part of the agenda? Is this part of the logistics? Is this part of the communications? And go about it like that. So then you can highlight and all that kind of different stuff. But yep. Yeah. I love it. I think you always did a great job when I worked with you on events Thanks. or the world tour. Woo-woo. Yeah, that was so fun. <laughs> you did a great job with keeping things consistent, you know, location to location. The campaign brief looks yes. the same. So right. no matter what city you're looking at, you're like, oh, okay, here's the our audience information. Right. Here's the services we're going to talk about. Here's who's attending, right? Like who's here's attending internally and their contact information when people are arriving and all that kind of stuff. And here's the tracking details, right? Yeah, the landing page. And here's the tracking information for the items that we shipped, you know, because you're always having to keep track of all of that and make sure that it gets where it needs to be when you're doing a physical in-person event. But the same is true of virtual events, right? Yeah, it's a lot to manage, but it's so, so much fun. It's so much fun. And watching it all come together is like magic. It's so fun. There's really nothing like it. I love doing a good before and after event photo because you're all mm. fresh in the morning and after <laughs> like a 12-hour day, you're kind of looking a little rugged. But the energy and seeing yeah. something through to fruition like that is just uh, amazing. It you is. know, it's just it's just great. Yeah. It's but awesome. it's a lot. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, the run of show and campaign briefs and landing pages and sales enablement. There's just a lot that goes into it. So can you talk about the importance of working with an event professional? So someone like you or I. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I would say, I think with smaller companies, sometimes they'll just say, oh, we have this event, but we don't have an event person. So we're just going to assign this to an admin assistant, which is fine because admin assistants are also typically very organized also. But if they're just handing it to somebody else to just manage and figure out and they've not done events before, then you run the risk of something big or many things getting dropped or not thought of. And I think the thing about hiring an event professional is a good event manager will understand all of the potential gotchas or (laughs) things that could go wrong. And so they've thought about that because they have the experience with that. And so they've just learned. And so when you're looking at hiring an event professional, first of all, I go back to what I said at the beginning of, you know, the importance of events, because if if somebody, if a customer likes you and they trust you, they'll want to do business with you. And I think the same is true when you're looking to hire a contractor or an event professional, who are you choosing to work with? It's somebody that you want to work with, <laughs> you like them, and you trust them and check references, of course. You want somebody who's detailed and they must be organized. They have to be professional, right? They might be dealing with your clients and they have to represent you well. They have to be a great communicator because you need to know what's going on so you can, you know, fill in other people that that may need to be in the know as well. And so check references for sure. 
And again, it depends on the type of event. If you're doing a street fair, that may be a little bit different than, you know, a high-end executive dinner or client advisory board. But you want to make sure that it's somebody who has experience and that they're successful in what they do. And so it is important to work with somebody. Absolutely. Yeah. It's huge. I mean, to your point, not only does an event pro think of, you know, how do we maximize revenue at the event? How do we, you know, create opportunities for the sales team to do some handshake deals? There's a lot that they'll plan for. And then there's a lot that the bad ones won't plan for. Yeah. Yeah. So there's an event in Stapleton. I think you and I have talked about this where, you know, an event, an event planner, they wanted to do a movie night under the stars and they had all these air mattresses blown up. But if anybody knows events in Colorado, (laughs) outdoor events are crazy because the wind here is just always blowing through so hard. And long story short, hundreds of air mattresses got lifted up by the wind and were tumbling across great YouTube videos on yeah. it. Go look and have a oh, laugh. Gosh. I feel bad. I don't know who the event player was, but I know. Uh, that Awful. was a, definitely a lesson learned, I think. But, yeah. you know, there's just a lot that can go wrong if mm-hmm. you're an inexperienced event planner and you don't yeah. think about things like weighing down tents. And yeah. there's just really, really important items that an event pro can can kind of poke holes in ahead of time so yeah. that things run flawlessly on event day. That's right. That's exactly right. I think one other thing I would say about working with an event professional is, and not every event professional is high on the empathy scale, you know, on the, as a character trait, but I think that empathy is a big thing around event planning and organization because it's sort of the ability to anticipate what other people might need before they even understand what they might need. And so, you know, I can I can understand by walking into a room and doing kind of a quick scan of understanding just sort of the mood of the room, right? Are people anxious about it, right? If it's if they're nervous, if if things aren't going as planned, and so to sort of be able to anticipate the needs of other people is another gift that I think a really good event professional brings to the table. And I know you have that, Kristen, and and I do too. Like we have an understanding of what people might need even before they do. Yeah. Yeah. That's very important. I'm glad you touched on that. And walking into a room and, and being self-aware yes. and understanding like what the needs are of the customer. I've I've walked into a room before and I see three sales reps just huddled in a corner talking to each other. And I right. had to go up and be like, hey, yeah, you need to go talk to this customer. <laughs> yes. You need to go over here to this prospect. We don't want to see people standing by themselves and right. not entertained. And, exactly. you know, you have to crack the whip sometimes because it's, you know, if you're traveling to an event, maybe you haven't seen your executive or the sales rep, but you're still a team. You can communicate at another time. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to kind of crack the whip, make sure everybody knows the roles and goals of the day yes, and that they're sticking to it. Because the last thing I ever want to see is somebody, you walk in a room and like a customer's on their phone because they're not, you know, they're not engaged. Right. Yeah. They're not engaged. Yeah. And I think that's the other piece too, is the pre-event planning and training of those who are going to be there attending that, right? You talk to them about that. And if it's at a trade show, you're reminding people, don't have your back to the 
aisle, right? You can't have somebody standing looking at their laptop. If you're there to demo a product, you want to turn and face the aisle because nobody's going to approach somebody if their back is to them, right? And the same is true at, you know, any type of event, right? You've got to have the right people in the room from your internal team. And so there were times when there were sales reps, we were like, we don't want to work with that sales rep because they don't do anything at the event. (laughs) They're not the best person to send, you know, and we had, you know, examples to share about why not. And so then we would choose somebody else who we knew was a rock star and would be great with clients and could talk to anybody and you know, it's, and and I think it's all, always good to have a good mix. Mm-hmm. So I remember some of our events. We might have one executive, one person from the product team, mm-hmm. one or two people from the customer success team. So right. you know, somebody who is a little bit more of a technical account manager, somebody who maybe is just a relationship manager, and then some sales reps. That's so right. not everybody is. I guess everybody's motivated in a different way. Right. Exactly. So somebody is focused on relationships. Somebody is focused on closing business. Somebody is focused on voice of the customer. And I think that's really important to have a good mix of your internal stakeholder team Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. everybody wants to go to an event. Yeah, they're fun. Out of the office. Yeah, they're they're fun. fun. Yeah, let's go. But travel to a fun city. Mm -hmm. You just can't let everybody go. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that at events, you know, where they just let sales reps run wild and it, it's more sales reps and customers and prospects. And it's like, what? Yeah. This doesn't make sense. So, right. you know, you need to create a space and be very intentional with your event planning. Exactly. Yeah. And that's on the event manager's to-do list as far as making sure they're communicating and training well in advance, right? Like these yep. sales teams, product teams, whoever's attending, like here's our expectations and, you know, <laughs> train them right? Train them how to do an event. Yeah. I think it's on you to make sure that you enable that team mm-hmm. on site yeah. so that you can maximize the ROI that you're going to get on the event. Exactly. Yeah. So let's pivot over. I want to talk about some things you've learned along the way okay. and what to watch out for because you've been you know, doing event planning for forever. Right. <laughs> and I've learned a lot from you. So oh, good. You know, what are your top three things that you've learned along the way? So I think the first thing that I have personally struggled with and have to be really cautious and aware of is perfectionism is not your friend. So the goal is not perfection at an event. It's just excellence. That's the goal. Perfectionism, and I love how you phrase this, perfectionism kills progress because when we were talking about that earlier and It's true. I mean, perfectionism will paralyze you and it's not helpful. And so also no event will be perfect. Now, the goal of the event is that anything that goes wrong or not as planned happens behind the scenes. And so that the hopefully the people attending the event have no idea. That's the goal. So just you have to remain (laughs) flexible in understanding things will go um, not as planned. Some things, you know, maybe the caterer is late or the shipment of items you were giving away didn't arrive in time or, you know, the weather is pouring down rain and you were going to do an outdoor event and so you have to shift to your backup location or things like that. Things that you will have no control over and you have to learn how to pivot and shift and be flexible immediately and not freak out about it and keep a good attitude because your 
attitude and your energy around the whole event is contagious and everyone else will be able to feel it if you are freaked out, out of your mind, and like this is all going to, you know, fall apart. (laughs) You can't allow that to happen. And so you have to just know, okay, well, we're going to pivot and we're going to go inside now. And because we don't want anyone to get struck by lightning or whatever, you know, like, but you have to have a good attitude and just think, okay, how are we going to pivot? What are we going to do? And then the, I think the other thing is just over communicate. So communication is huge with your internal teams, with your clients, especially your internal teams and executive teams, that there would be no surprises to them about what's going on, including when things go wrong or not as planned. And so they need to know as well what's happening and, you know, what what went wrong, how you've responded, how it's being fixed, or the solution to adjust it or whatever, just so that they're aware, right? I mean, they're not going to be critical of you if you're over-communicating that to them and just saying, hey, giving you a heads up, our keynote speaker, his plane was diverted because of weather. And so he's not going to be here. So here's what we're doing instead is he's got his setup at the airport. We're going to video him in and we're streaming it in, or we've got somebody else who's going to speak or, or whatnot. And part of that is in the planning at the very beginning is if those things go wrong, what is the backup? right? You always have to have a backup. And as an event manager, you just have to yep. know that you've got to have a backup for everything. So because things Yeah, you have to have contingencies wrong. in place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think- And strap those air mattresses down. <laughs> yeah, for goodness sake. <laughs> oh my gosh. What, what is the, what's the craziest thing, I guess, that's happened at an event of yours? Or have you had a keynote not show up or- I think the craziest thing actually was one of the international events that I did- we were in Africa, actually, and we had this event planned for for two years, and we had the location solidified, but part of it was under construction. And so by the time we got there, the construction was not done. The place was only half the size that we needed it to be, and it just was not going to work. And so we had to shift immediately and ended up that we had to hire a company to put up a huge tent in the middle of a cricket field for wow. one of one of our final events. And so we had to shift everything. And so then you're communicating with the bus drivers and letting them know when they're picking up from the hotels, take them to this random cricket field, <laughs> drop them off there wow. and they'll see the big, huge circus tent. And that's where, and then getting all the AV over there and all that kind of stuff. So I think that was sort of the craziest thing I've ever seen. And also just in, internationally speaking, sometimes the contracts are very different. And in Africa, it was like, it didn't matter that we had a contract, you know, it was just, sorry, it didn't work, you know? (laughs) And so I think in the U.S. and Canada, it's much different where you have, you know, you have a contract and that's what it is, right? I mean, unless there's some force majeure clause, of course, but uh, I think that was the craziest thing. International events are very fun, but but it's very very critical when you're working internationally to work with somebody who's local to that area because they'll be able to help with all those nuances and things that you don't know to anticipate. That's so true. Mm -hmm. Even when planning stuff across 29 states in the U.S., when I was at Return Path, Mm -hmm. I would always reach out to people in each state where I was planning the event. Yeah. To make, you know, because I had to do venue selection, all of this without 
ever stepping foot in that venue yeah. until the day of the event. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times, sometimes, yeah. you know, we, we could see it in advance and, yes. and do a site survey, but oftentimes the budget wouldn't allow. So yeah, leaning on those, uh, those locals, Yeah, uh, no matter what region they're in, I think that's really sound yeah. advice. Yeah. Utilize your resources. Yeah. Utilize your resources. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have one more just general question and then let's pivot over to the lightning round. Okay. Uh, I didn't give you a pre-read, so that'll be exciting. (laughs) Oh gosh. Okay. (laughs) What advice would you give to someone looking to scale their event marketing on a tight budget? Okay. That's a good question. I think I would recommend that being very careful to choose the events that they're going to attend. So if they, if you know you only have $10,000 and there are seven events that you would like to do on, on your ideal list of events to attend, but that's going to put you at $20,000, then, then you have to be more choosy and, and pick, you know, the top three maybe to attend. And you're not just looking at it from a budgetary perspective, but pick the one where you know the greatest number of clients are going to be or want to attend. So look at the goal for each of the events and and understand if it's just a tr- you know a huge trade show that could be really important but is it going to give you exactly drill down into the audience that you're looking for or is there another event or or two that you can attend that are more specific to the audience that you're trying to engage with. Yeah, that's so important especially like you said with a limited budget if you only have $10,000 or even less, right? you know, you better be really choosy and selective yeah. because 86% of trade show leads are not followed up on. Right. So, you know, that tells me that a lot of people don't have a good strategy in place for mm-hmm. following up with leads. Yeah. And they're kind of like, hey, let's just go to this trade show. We'll meet right. people, we'll shake hands, we'll do business. But it's about way more than that. What yeah. kind of information can you collect? So that post-event, you can continue to nurture those accounts and mm-hmm. continue to get opportunities and business out of that event. So yeah. I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing, just on the budget side, is don't max your budget. So like if you're thinking, okay, I've got 10 grand and I'm going to pick these three and they're going to put me right at 10, 10 grand, maybe do two of them so that you have some extra wiggle room to, if something else comes up, that you can still you know, add on to that budget and you're not maxed out. Yeah, that's a very good point. Or even just to make it a little more special. Like if you're going to spend the time Mm -hmm. and you're going to do a customer advisory board, send them home with some branded gear and some swag. Exactly. You know, give them something with your name on it. Uh, We always did really nice customer gifts um, for the cab, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You were in charge of that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That was always fun to get to pick what, what we were giving away. And we had to be careful sometimes because depending on who the clients are, sometimes they're not allowed to receive gifts. So then you have to get a little more creative, right? If they're limited on what they can accept. (laughs) Oh, very true. Yeah. Yeah. There are some of those limitations. Mm -hmm. You know, some people can't accept more than $25, but you know, how do you make it a a really good experience and, and make it special? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's boogie over to the lightning round. All right. I'm excited about this. <laughs> We've got five lightning round questions coming up next. And okay. yeah, I didn't give you a pre-read. So we're just going to dive <laughs> right in. 
You've got 10 seconds to answer. So you got to be quick. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's start. What's your favorite beer, liquor, or wine? Wine. What is one thing you absolutely have to have during an event? My phone fully charged. Yes. Oh, that's important. (laughs) Power bank, baby. Yeah. (laughs) Multiple. Yeah. That's right. Mm -hmm. After an event, how do you celebrate and unwind? With a glass of wine and with the team that pulled it off. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yes. It's always good. If you can have a beer or wine afterwards with the team, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. What's your favorite memory at an event? Oh my gosh. Just one? Mm Mm-hmm. Better be good. Oh man. (laughs) Okay. Mm, Favorite memory at an event? Standing very at the very back of the room and watching it all come together and everybody was where they were supposed to be and it just came together like magic. And then later on, the CEO said to me, who's better than you? And it just, I mean, of course there are people better than me, Ooh. but I was just like such a gift for my soul. You know, it was just like, I am doing what I'm made to be doing. I love it. And it was just That's a right. confirmation. It was cool. Oh, very cool. Well, you are a badass. So I'm glad that you got that compliment. (laughs) Thank you. And last lightning round question. If you could pick anywhere to live, where would it be? Mm, Right where I live. I love Colorado. I love Colorado. My family's all here. So I love traveling. I love exploring the world, but there's nothing like coming home. I love Colorado. I agree. Yeah. I just got back from Steamboat Springs. Yeah. Wow. So I mean, beautiful. a 300 foot waterfall. Mm-hmm. It's just gorgeous. It really is. It is. There's nothing like colorful Colorado. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> well, Laura, before I close this podcast episode out, tell the audience where they can find you and connect yeah. with you. So website coming soon, but for now you can find Woo-hoo. me on LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> and, um, and that's the best way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. All right. Laura Clark on LinkedIn. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on today's episode. And for our audience, follow us on Apple or Spotify or go to marketlikeabadass.media for the latest episodes of Market Like a Badass.